crown. We really did just drive. All right. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, content manager of So Called Fantasy Experts and founder of FantasySixPack.net. Um, today we are going to have two guests on. Uh, Jerry Colvin from Fantasy Alarm. He's going to discuss some DFS baseball with us to get us ready and rolling for that. Um, and then we're going to have Chris Myers on. Uh, he writes for so-called fantasy experts and also Athlon Sports. And you may actually know him better from Twitter. Um, he's the one who runs all those uh, – it, they they started out as like slugging for Jude baseball leagues. Um, so it's a, it's a real good cause. Um, we can, we're going to talk about it later with him to promote it a little bit. But uh, my co-host has arrived. AJ, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up? How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, getting ready for a good show. Been uh, cleaning frogs out of my pond this afternoon. Mm, it's been sounds, awesome. Sounds fun. Sounds disgusting. And yes, it is. <laughs> um, my pond is being overrun by frogs, and I believe they are somehow breaking my the the pump system in there. It's pretty terrible. Um, but anyway, um, so so we uh, you and I hung out a little bit this this past week, watched some of the March Madness games. How are you doing overall in your bracket, man? I know I've been destroyed, so let's not go there. Yeah, mine are uh, mine are pretty much done for at this point. Uh, I really needed uh, a bunch of different things to happen. So, oh well, you know, another year, another amount of money lost that I don't care to talk about. <laughs> yeah, thankfully I did not get into the money pools this year because I knew better. I had not followed it one bit at all. But, you know, that's that's the life of the tournament, man. It's always kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm only about $100 out, so for my brackets at least. Um, so that's not too bad. That's not horrible. No, but, it could be worse. But, yeah, my, uh, my main bracket was uh, – Who's your daddy and what does he duke? Uh, who's spelled, of course, H-O-O-S for the Wahoos. Um, that one, I think, is still the only one that's potentially not completely blown up, although I did have Michigan State, uh, I think, in the final game in that one. So, yeah, that one hurt pretty bad. But I, I had yeah, Kansas winning. Done. Yeah, I had Kansas winning that one. I pretty much had St. Joe's beating Oregon in all of my pools, and that game was an absolute debacle at the end of it. Those refs were terrible. I don't even understand half of the calls that they were making, but as as you were mentioning, that basketball these days is basically just pass it out around the key, and then whoever has the ball runs just straight at the basket and tries to get a foul. And that's yeah, basically the entire strategy that Oregon had. They they were up the the whole game, and then you know St. Joe's made a nice little run and took I think an eight point lead 
but then, you know, they just kind of chipped away at that lead, and then there was just stupid fouls that that they were calling and, you know, barely touched fouls. Um, but Oregon was just getting the, the benefit of the doubt every time. But uh, either way, yeah, there was that one. My other one was we're not in Kansas anymore. I think I had Michigan State winning that one, so that's gone. And then my my last one was my wake-me-upset before you go-go pool uh, where I just picked a bunch of, like, crazy upsets. But um, some games that I thought, you know, where the upsets would actually occur, some where I didn't think they would occur. And, yeah, that one's pretty much shot now, too. Yeah, I had Kansas and Michigan State in my Final Four, and I actually ended up having – or in my final game – my other two final four were, well, I guess Texas A&M is somehow still alive. That was a miracle. And then yeah. Kentucky got wiped out, so that one that one kills me pretty bad too. I was trying yeah. to go contrarian and not pick UNC there, uh, but that that bit me pretty good. But uh, I think our guest is on Jerry from uh, Fantasy Alarm. Let's see here, Jerry, you there? Yes, I am. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Just sitting watching a little basketball. Yeah, I got to get in a little bit of March Madness, even though we do not claim to be experts by a long shot. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're either. pretty bad at it, obviously. <laughs> but um, so before we get into some DFS fantasy baseball questions here, I want to talk to you and get your opinion on the whole New York. I don't know if it's really a, a decision. You know, DraftKings and FanDuel kind of said, okay, you got us for now. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to work out a deal to get kind of regulated and to get some rules behind it and things like that. But, you know, I kind of wanted to get your opinion as somebody who plays a lot more than we do as to how this is all going to shake out and, and what it means overall well it looks to me at this time like just like you said they're trying to smooth it over a little bit that's how it seems anyways Mm -hmm. it looks like they're more worried that when it goes to court if they don't try to be cooperative at this time it seems like they're a bit worried they might lose um outside of that i mean when it comes to that legal kind of stuff uh, that's really not my uh that's not my cup of tea guys yeah, I mean it's not mine either. I guess you know. I guess I kind of agree with you, and you know, I've been I've been listening and reading a lot of things, and and I think you were kind of going down that path. But uh, I think the way I kind of see it is, they are yeah, they're just trying to cooperate, and and they're hoping that a deal can be made within the next couple of months. They have what until September, I believe, to make a deal. Yeah, well, from what I'm hearing too, I mean, they're saying it could be resolved as early as June. And right. uh, the other thing I've also heard is that a big part of it is they figure if they give you the date of September, that'll get them open back up for football, and that's where the bread and right. butter in the DFS industry lies at this time. Naturally, yeah, this is as, as all fantasy does. So, anyway, man, so uh, I kind of wanted to go through some DFS baseball questions with you, just kind of as a, a primer to get everybody ready for it. Um, unfortunately, if you play in New York, you will not be playing for the first couple of months. So apologize there, but hopefully soon you will be back. Um, so you ready to go? Um, I'm always ready. All right, man. So 
I think, you know, I want to start out by discussing the pitchers. You know, I've kind of always thought that they're the backbone of any really good DFS lineup. And, you know, so, so how do you approach your pitchers when building your lineups? Well, you got to remember, the first thing is if you're playing on a site like FanDuel, where you only have one pitcher, it's vital that you nail that pitcher that night because if you pick a bad pitcher and he goes downhill on you, you're just dead in the water. There's no, there's no way around that. Your night's done. On a night like DraftKings, I mean, on, day, on a site like DraftKings where you can have two pitchers, my general philosophy is I try to pay up for the one expensive stud who has a high K per nine rate, uh, if possible, who's pitching in a good ballpark. And then I try to pair him up with uh, like a cheaper guy who's in a good position to at least give me a stable outing, you know, with a fair amount of strikeouts, maybe five or six, and, uh, you know, only let up a few runs. I mean, usually if you can get one of them guys combined with a stud, it's usually a good tactic on a two-pitcher site. Do you do you just chase wins a lot in, in these types? Of, I think, you know, something that I've kind of always gone back and forth with is uh, do you do you chase the win in in DFS? Well, the win is nice, but as everybody knows, when you're when you're doing baseball, to try to get the win, is, you can't really play for the win. What I what I play for is K's. Strikeouts equals points. I don't care what site you play on. That's why you know you can have them outings where you take a pitcher like Trevor Bauer and you spend the whole night biting your nails off watching him give up runs and hits. Then you check your score at the end of the night and you're like, wow, I have nine points still out of this guy. Well, because he struck out 14 batters. <laughs> so. That's usually my philosophy. K's translate into points, and points translate into money. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, you know, you, can, you kind of already spoke about the difference between FanDuel and DraftKings with the one the one and two pitchers thing. Is there any other major differences that players should know about going into the two different sites? Well, I mean, there is points differences. I believe the win is actually more points on FanDuel than DraftKings. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, right now I know all the scoring is being changed right now, and I haven't really sat down to take a close look at what they've actually changed on the two sites, but I know there's things like steals have uh, caught stealing has been erased. So it's kind of tough right now to give you an exact answer on that. All right, all right, fair enough. Uh, I know that... I forget if it was DraftKings or FanDuel. They like completely changed the the way that the rosters are made up, and they took away that was an draft outfielder. Game. Yeah, yeah, they like took game. away an outfielder and added a utility guy, and people were kind of all like, "Well, what's going on there?" I mean, it's kind of silly to take away an outfielder when you know there's so many of them in out there. So, but I don't know. What do you think? How do you think that's gonna? How do you think that's gonna kind of affect things? Well, you know, there's people out there that say just because uh, it's fantasy doesn't mean it has to model reality. Uh, I'm of the opinion that when I build a baseball roster, I prefer to look at three outfielders. I'm a big fan of having three outfielders. It's the way when I build a team, I like it to look at the end, you know. It's how I've been watching baseball my whole life. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's I think it's weird to not see at least three outfielders out there. I mean, what most season-long leagues have five now. So it's it's going to be really weird to look at a, a DFS lineup and not have three outfielders. I guess I don't know what they were always coming back with was, well now you can you can still use three outfielders. One's just in your utility, and it's like, well that's not the point. But okay, I get you. Well, it's it certainly of... changes your thinking process when you're doing your lineup construction. 
And uh, I haven't tinkered with it enough yet to know exactly how I feel about it, but I can tell you right from the get-go, I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody's been playing with it yet. Because can you even get in there and mess around with lineups? Or I heard I that uh, some of the pricing's been released, but I haven't even tried to go in and mess with lineups yet. Yeah, it's a little early. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'll know. change yeah, it I 700 mean, times between now and then, anyways. I know, right? It's worse than season long at that point. Um, so kind of, kind of looking at what stats, you know, to use when you, when you analyze, um, who to pick on a, on a given night, uh, I know a big stat that a lot of people use is batter versus pitcher stats or pitcher versus batter stats the other way around. Um, or I guess pitcher versus team stats, surely. Is that a stat that you would recommend using or not recommend and, and kind of why? I mean, well, I, you know, I will use BVP in some situations. I find that I tend to prefer it in a, in a higher sample size, um, in a hitter's situation. I prefer that he's seen a pitcher, I don't know, at least 30, 40 times that gives you an accurate sample size. And then it's kind of hard to argue that there's nothing there. If he has great success with that many at bats, you got to be careful when you're using BVP, when you got a situation where a batter's only faced a pitcher, maybe three or four times, because you never know what the exact situation situation was surrounding him that day. The pitcher could have been coming back from an injury. There could have been bad weather that day. I mean, there could have been a number of situations that caused him to have a three-for-four day against a pitcher, as opposed when you got the larger sample sizes, it generally spans over several games, so you can get a better better feel of it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, it's definitely got to be used in the the right context. Um, so what other stats do you use? When you when you look for a player's, you know, it, are they worth the money that you're going to be spending on them? Well, the most important thing people got to remember when you're building a DFS baseball lineup is all them all them accumulative stats. They're out the window. Whatever whatever somebody's doing total, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Everything splits. You want to look at home. You want to look at away. You want to work look at how a pitcher hits versus lefties and righties. These are all factors you want to look at. The, the, how, the combined stats, the combined DRA, that, that matters little in DFS. I mean, you want to know how a pitcher pitches on the road, how a pitcher pitches at home. The, um, I'm a big fan of how players are doing over like a seven-day period. I tend to ride the hot hand if he's hot, and I'll tend to shy away if he's cold. Unless somebody's been cold too long, then I'll try to start jumping on him because law of probability says cold guys have to get hot at some time. Yeah, so like, you know... I'm... I know it's hard to say, but I mean, is there, is there like maybe, you know, I don't know, say somebody's normally like a $7,000 player. I, I don't know DFS baseball prices. I will totally apologize. That might be ridiculously high. But Are we looking I'm, for you know, value? I'm thinking more for like, I'm you know, I'm going for more like, cause I'm, I played more NBA than anything, but I'm thinking like if a guy is like normally like say a $5,000 player and he dips like down a to like Babbitt 40. Starting tonight for New Orleans situation. You're looking for value. Oh well, sure. Like you know that that that's obviously a a, uh, a way to look at it too. That's not the question I had, but you know we'll we'll go there. So you know, like okay, yeah. So we'll go there. So NBA, you know, I play more NBA than anything. Are you know you get these guys like Luke Babbitt tonight that are going to be starting, and they're almost always automatic plays, just because you want the guys that are going to get all the playing time. You want them to get their uses rates ups and things like that, and they have the best chance to you know, return the value. 
and and you know they're dirt cheap because they don't normally start and so you can get pay up for somebody else um like a russell westbrook much easier in baseball is it the same translation yes exactly it is in a lot of ways you want to try to find guys who are in batting towards the top of the order if you can who are usually in a good situation maybe facing a bad pitcher like a john danks or one of them type of guys and uh, if they're the minimum price, batting towards the top of the order, that's already going to tell you that they're bound to see more plate appearances than the guy batting in the middle of the order. And for the minimum salary, yes, absolutely. You absolutely throw that player out there so you can load up on your Mike Trouts and your Giancarlo stands. Okay. Yeah, I imagine it's a little easier in baseball, though, because the lineups get set at, like, 3 or 4 o'clock instead of 645. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I play. I play a lot of NBA too, and it's absolutely maddening. You got to sit right I've, by your phone, right? Tip off. I've so, just stopped. <laughs> one one question I have for you then is that something that you take into account too, as far as now? I know there is sites out there, like Joe mentioned, that the lineups are are out for baseball around three o'clock. So you can look into it and see a little bit more about. Okay, well, this guy's starting now. This other guy is in the two hole. So I'm looking at him, but do you ever look at night games versus, I mean, they're all typically night games, but like a, a, a standard night game, like a seven o'clock versus the West coast, you know, 10 o'clock start, or do you lean more towards East coast starts? I, no, I lean, I lean more towards where the best matchups lie. But I am a proponent of always trying to have that one late bullet in my lineup that rides me through to the end. I always seem to find a way, even in NBA, NFL, and MLB, to always get that one player somehow in because I always like to feel like I'm still alive till the end of the evening. Yeah. So, so kind of to to kind of piggyback on that. So you know, ballpark I think could play a big part in baseball more so than than any other sport out there. And, you know, one of the big ballparks that has, you know, a big offensive advantage is Coors Field. Um, there's other ones out there, but Coors Field obviously gets all the attention. Do you kind of see yourself favoring Coors Field a lot of times? Coors Field, when baseball season starts, is like the stack fest of the century every time there's a home game. Um, you're going to notice a lot through the MLB season. You're going to see people stacking Coors Field like it's going out of style, and you're also going to hear all the complaints you hear now in NBA that are afraid to put the guy in because the weather in Coors Field is always terrible. It's always raining in Colorado. So every night you're sitting there and you're waiting, and there's a probability of rain, and the games can take six hours. It's the most maddening thing about MLB is actually the Coors Field games. But, yes, I love Coors Field games for DFS purposes. Yeah. I would imagine, like, it, and see, it's kind of tricky because at least I, I kind of think, and because, you know, Colorado's got that great offense, but they don't have good pitching. So do you find yourself stacking Colorado players more because they're at home, or do you find yourself stacking the opposition more because Colorado has pretty bad pitching and the ball? Unless it's Clayton Kershaw, I'll pretty much go up about up against any pitcher in Coors Field. I don't care who it is. I, if there's a Coors Field game on any given night, you can be willing to bet I got more more than likely two or three players from each team in my lineup. 
You have to because if they go off and score 15 runs and you're not and you don't have enough exposure to it, you're totally dead in the water that night. You're not going to cash nothing. So obviously, you think stacking is a must, and and that in was baseball, one of my stacking, other I had for stacking you. is definitely a must. In baseball, <laughs> stacking gives you a huge advantage. It gives you the most way to take advantage of a bad pitcher, and the most way to maximize your points. Okay, all right. So, um, do do you always find it like is a stack considered like just two players, or does it have to be like three or more? Or like I don't even know. I think they were changing some of the stacking rules too on some of these sites. Yeah, well, I know on FanDuel it was it was four players from a team, I believe, and I believe on DraftKings you were able to do six. I want to say six. I can't remember wow. exactly. But I know when they, when there was a, for instance, when there was a Coors Field game last season and the Dodgers were there, let's say, I would definitely, I'd have four Dodgers and I'd have four Rockies in my lineup, and then I'd find a pitcher in a good park somewhere to fill it in with. And if you get fit, like I said, you get a 15-run night in Coors Field and you don't have enough exposure to it, I don't care who you have around the rest of the baseball world, you're not going to catch that. Are there any other ballparks, like if Coors Field, you know, is rained out or, you know, maybe early in the season gets randomly snowed out? Are there any other ballparks you do that with, like maybe Camden Yards or something? Well, of course, the Great American Small Park in Cincinnati is always a fun one to stack in. <laughs> That's a notorious small park with a lot of runs scored. Milwaukee's another one. You know, um, a lot of people think the Cubs are, but Wrigley is not a good park for DFS purposes. It's actually neutral. But the White Sox, there's another team you can stack when they're home. That's right. another small park. Do you ever? You know, you mentioned you mentioned Wrigley, and that's something else I want to ask you. Do you ever consider, like, if you know the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, do you ever consider that being just like, oh, I've got to get a couple guys from there? You know, I do. I, I, I do get weather updates during the MLB season, and if I see the wind's blowing out real strong, I'll, def- I'll definitely get a bopper in there. I'll try to find a power hitter who's going to be pulling the ball out in that direction, and, I, and I'll definitely put him in. I won't lie to you on that one. It's one of them things you need to take in consideration, at least with that park. So as far as ballparks go, then, are there any ballparks that you just completely stay away from no matter the matchup? I mean, I know you said you're going for the best possible matchups, but, I mean, well, is there San Francisco, uh, AT&T Park's one. You generally, you generally try not to take too much offense in. Um, Dodger Stadium. The bigger ballpark, St. Louis is not a great. You generally a great stadium to try to get home runs out of. I mean, when you're talking about hitters in DFS, you're looking for home runs. You don't want singles. You don't want yeah. doubles. You want home runs and RBIs. So if you have a really giant park, like Miami was, I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out with the work they're doing on the walls there. I mean, these are the kind of parks though that you generally don't want to take too many batters in because they're not going to put that many balls over the wall. Now, do you look at that same? strategy i mean i know we're talking about dfs but do you look at that strategy when you're drafting for season long leagues i do i do look at that strategy i actually play season long a lot different now than i did several years ago because of playing dfs i take guys now in course field i mean i see a player in course field his value is boost to me huge okay yeah i kind of do the same i mean i try to you know, I've always looked at loading up more on, you know, NL pitching than AL pitching for my season-long leagues. You know, obviously daily. I, I Personally, I haven't gotten into too much daily baseball. I, I dabbled a little last year, I feel like. But, 
I just would get blown out, and I, I didn't do enough research on it, so it's just like, eh, all right, I'm not going to throw too much money at this, but it's all good information to, to you know, look into and be able to give yourself more of a fighting chance, but it, it looked like you said, the home runs and that, you know, any of these other random bonus things, I feel, I know there's bonus stuff in, in football for 100 yards or whatever. Is there any of that still going in, in baseball? Uh, I don't believe FanDuel for. does any. I don't believe FanDuel does scoring bonuses. I think DraftKings does it for every sport. Yeah. You know, that's one of the little things I, I never really. I don't look at fantasy points when I'm doing MLB. Uh, like you know, when you're doing NBA, fantasy points is obviously something you look at more than real points. Mm-hmm. But in baseball, I tend to look at you know home runs, RBIs. I don't check necessarily the amount of fantasy points just because I can real quickly kind of tell in my head what they're giving me anyways. So that would be kind of one of the things you have to really check on DraftKings as you're playing throughout the season to see if you're getting the bonuses, and I, I don't think I've ever looked. I do think there might be some for how many strikeouts you get and stuff like that, though. Yeah, okay. So I want to touch back on, like, some of the batter versus pitcher things. Do you ever do, like, the, you know, say Boston and the Yankees are playing against each other, and, you know, do you ever – play in Ortiz and Tanaka at the same during the same night or if you play the pitcher you're not playing anybody on that team he's facing right no that's one of the things I tend to shy away from an MLB because it's counterproductive it's kind of hard to root for your pitcher and then have your 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 hitter come up with three runners on and not want him to hit a grand slam I mean you're going to get you know three points extra but you're going to lose four on your pitcher I mean it's counterproductive it's there's no point in doing that because you're taking one step forward and two steps backwards. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's kind of that old, you know, I, I think back to the football and, you know, do, you know, at least in season long, it's always like, well, I own the quarterback, but I also own the defense. So it's like, do you want to do it? And I feel like in football, you can still get away with it, you know, or, or even more so if it's just like a running back or something, but it may be not in DFS baseball. It kind of makes sense. So, um, well, a lot of that has to do with the amount of games on the slate, too, at the time. I mean, if you only have three games, four games, you're going to be forced maybe to make some tougher decisions like that. But, you know, when you have a full slate, there's no need to do that if you don't have to. I mean, in, in baseball, I mean, I feel like most nights are, you know, pretty big, right? I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess – guess maybe Mondays sometimes are pretty slow. Yeah, Mondays uh, Mondays and Thursdays can be slow. Them are usually the travel days. Yeah. But even then there's always at least a half dozen games typically. But Yeah. Well the other thing to look at how they it also depends on how the sites split the slates up too, because a lot of times on travel days you might have two day games and four night games and you're not gonna you're gonna try not to mix them if you can, especially on a site where you can't change your lineups. Yeah. One other thing, too, is just in the beginning of the season with, you know, opening day at every ballpark kind of being sporadic. I mean, obviously there's there's multiple days, you know, games on, on the the main Mondays or, or Tuesdays, and then there's all, usually, like, if it's a Monday game, I notice a lot of times, you know, just being a season ticket holder, that Tuesday there's no game for, for that team. And then the rest right. of the series is a Wednesday, Thursday, or something. So, yeah, you know, is that something? You know, do you not typically start your your DFS games right at the beginning of the season? Do you wait till that little letdown kind of comes through and just see how 
certain players are doing? No, I jump right in from day one. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm an antsy fellow when it comes to it. I'll, I'll I'll have five lineups in that morning, the day the day opening day, without a doubt. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping to get into it a little more. I try. I wanted to get into DFS so bad. I tried with basketball and failed miserably. So I'm hoping I have a lot more success with baseball. Um. So the one of the last questions. Well, you know, speaking of this thing with New York, here's something people are going to have to be aware of especially this baseball season. There's a lot of major competition right now that's out of the DFS world. There's a lot of big players who right now ain't going to be playing. So a lot of the results I think guys are going to have in the next couple of months starting off the MLB season, they're going to be a lot better than what they can actually expect once things level off and all these guys come back and the new players have all learned their lessons. You're going to see things really tapered down as far as your caching ability. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know who the big – the big boys are in New York. I'm sure there's plenty of them. Yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. a good point. I didn't really think of that. So maybe that's take advantage of it and get into it now. This is the time. If you're a new player, this is a great time because, believe me, there there is some pretty heavy players there. I mean, there's guys in New York who put in hundreds of lineups a night. So when you get all them guys out and sitting with twiddling their thumbs, that leaves the door open for a lot of the smaller guys to yeah, try to get a chance you, right now. You think I'm it's going to affect some of the second. big – sorry, go ahead, AJ. Yeah. I was gonna say, let me fucking talk. <laughs> I was saying, DraftKings' second biggest revenue was was our second biggest buy revenue in 2014 in New York. So you knock that out, then yeah, there's that's a ton of ton of just open space for everyone else to jump in. Well, the other thing too that you're probably going to see is you might you're going to start to see the the amount of the contest prizes. You're going to have to go down at some point here. I yeah. can't imagine them sustaining at the levels they are now with the volume of play they're going to be losing. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Like, you know, I, I imagine the like the big contests aren't going to be there like they usually are. Um, that's kind of a shame, but, you know, I guess... Well, I guess I, you I, have, I'm, you a, know, big, I'm a big fan of regulation. I think that they need to, to do what Yahoo just did where they just set a thing where nobody can put in more than 10 lineups in any kind of GPP tournament. I think that's a good thing for the industry, and I think they're setting a model for FanDuel and DraftKings and something they should look at, because I'm not a huge fan of the scripting, and I'm not a huge fan of playing against guys with 500 lineups. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not either. I, I, I definitely agree with you. I try and go after the, you know, the the small the small Single games. Single entry like, GPPs. Yeah, that or, or even just, uh, you know, I just do the small, smaller cash games where I know I'm probably not facing, you know, 15 lineups from the same guy. It's just got like almost every good variation out there or even more. It's just kind of crazy. Well, well, that's the thing, too, is in DFS, contest selection is everything. The contests you choose are going to be the success you have. If you choose to play in $2 tournaments against 57,000 people, I mean, your chances of winning are better going and buying a $2 ticket at a scratch store, at a convenience store. I mean, I, I try to find small contests, and I, I'd rather pay $25 and play against 37 people and win $200 than pay $2 every day and win nothing for five weeks. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So so we got to move on here, but I do have one last question for you. Um, so how do you handle – those those big name prospects that come up those first couple games where they're trying to get their feet wet or something, you know, how do you handle them in DFS? 
Um, I, I actually, I usually do stay away from them unless the price is so cheap and they're batting in such a great spot that I can't resist. Generally, other than that, though, I tend to stay away for a few games because so many times you see these kids come up and they just go 0 for 16 and then you don't see them again. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy. So, um, all right, well, we got to move on. Uh, our other, our other guest, Chris, is on the line, and you know him. So uh, we will um, bid you adieu here. And if you want to let everybody know how to find you on Twitter or Fantasy Alarm, and just let everybody know. Yeah, my Twitter handle is at GeraldColvin73, and you can find my work at FantasyAlarm.com. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, All right, yeah, no, thank you. Have a good one and Have good a luck good night. Season, man. Thank you. Bye. All right, so that, I mean, that was all some really good information there, man. Like, I, you know, I know I'm trying. I'm definitely trying to get into it this this year a little more. And um, I've, I've played once or twice, but I haven't really gotten into it. It sounds like you're kind of the same. Yeah, I, I like I said, I dabbled a little bit last year, but um, I, I just didn't really have great success or have a lot of time to you know put it in there. So I was just kind of going with some of the bigger name guys that you know, to start with and just finding plug-in guys I was hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with, but it's fun. Yeah, you definitely got to do try research to... with, with baseball. I know what he's talking about. Like, with the, you know, you've got to look at the home road splits. You've got to look at the, you know, you've got to look at the ballpark factors. You've got to look at the, the lefty-righty splits for the batter and pitchers and things like that. So I, I know what he's talking about, but it takes so much time to be able to do that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, that's where some of those that's that's where some of those tools that are online, those lineup generators and things like that, that's where they come and come in, in handy because uh, they can do a lot of that research for you up front. Um, me and me and Keenan had this conversation for the NBA uh, DFS conversation that we had uh, where we we like the lineup generators for research purposes, but we don't like it for, you know, just click the button, get your lineup and plug it in because, you know, there a lot of times those things aren't really putting into account, you know, changes in, you know, or later changes in the day, especially for NBA um, and, and things like that. So I think it's good to be able to get a lot of your stats quickly so that you can pick your better lineup and maybe it's a good starting point if you're really kind of struggling for time that day, but I wouldn't use it as just, I'm just going to take what they say and plug it in. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, the next guest that we have today is Chris Myers. Uh, let's see if he can get on. Chris, you there? Yep. I'm here. Hey, what's going on, man? Not much. It's, uh, good to be here. I know it's been a while and, um, you know, a few, Swings and misses, so it's good to be on tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, wanted to get you on and um, definitely let you promote your your slugging for Jude leagues. I don't know if you've got any openings left or if you're trying to do any more of those leagues, but I, I loved the idea, man. It was such a great cause, and I definitely jumped at the chance to help out. So yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a huge, uh, you know, very good success last year. Um, <clears throat> this year I am willing to open, uh, you know, set up a few leagues, but the, you know, besides like a few random, um, you know, new, new joinees, it seems like it's kind of, um, I don't know. I haven't had as much 
feedback and uh, support for it this year. So um, I'm setting, I set up, you know, the NCAA brackets this year, mm-hmm. um, which was a success last year. And uh, I'm trying to do things like that. And I may even go down the road to try to find a way to uh, work up a, a few um, DFS leagues. I know you guys were just talking about that for baseball. So um, yeah, even if, awesome. I don't know, you know, try to figure out something to do like a month long tournament, you know, and, some of the proceeds go to Jude and family and whatnot. Because uh, I found out that you know, besides the dynasty leagues and leagues like that um, from last year, the other leagues just kind of they waned in interest. Um, and I think it's just oh, baseball is such a grind. So um, it's too long of a season for a lot of people. So <laughs> and uh, and the other thing is that you know, being in the industry, most people are in too many leagues as it is. So it's hard to find time to join another one. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested, they can reach out to me and I'm more than willing to work with them and try to get one or two leagues tossed together quick here. But for now we're going down different routes. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like we said, it's definitely a great cause. I mean, it's, it's, from what I understand, it's your buddy's kid has, has cancer, right? And so yeah. it's, it's yep. Support, yep. support him. So yeah, I mean, definitely a great cause and, you know, I'm, I'm and uh, so, yeah, if, if if you're interested and you want to, you know, put a league together real quick, definitely hit him up on Twitter uh, if you want to share your Twitter handle, handle here real quick. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's Fancy Chill Pony. Uh, it wouldn't let me do fantasy, so I had to do it as fancy. So it's uh, uh, F-A-N-P-S-Y Chill Pony. All right. Yeah, that's the mystery to the name. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, that makes a lot more sense now. I've always kind of wondered what was going on there. Um, yep. Although I do get a crack out of your uh, a good laugh out of your new your new profile pic there on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. I used that one <laughs> a few years ago, and it was a lot of people are like, "What's with the chick?" And then I'm like, "Just open the picture," and then it it all makes sense. So that's yeah. one of my favorite photo bombs of all time. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's really funny. Anyway, man, so the reason, the one of the other reasons I wanted you on today was to talk about some of the prospects in, in baseball coming up here this year or even next year. Um, you know, prospects are always a big deal. Everybody gets really excited about them because they're the new thing and, you know, what can they do? And, and last year, I mean, oh, my God, last year was just incredible with the prospects that came up. Chris, uh, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, I mean, I could go on for a while, I feel like. And uh, yeah. these guys are just incredible. And so, you know, this year I feel like the hype for the prospects is going to be even bigger. And I kind of laugh because, you know, we're in that dynasty league where people just go prospect crazy. And it's funny, I should have made fun of Jerry for it because uh, Jerry kind of went prospect heavy. And actually, I guess it's one of your one of your friends, too, um, in the league. He just went absolutely crazy nuts with it like i don't even know if he can yeah. start a full roster and because we you know we have 40 yeah. people but he's got i think he's got too many prospects on his team so you know that that yeah. kind of shows you right there how how crazy people are going with the prospects um but but you know you you put together this top 109 prospects in 2016 list over on so-called fantasy experts and it's fantastic um and so i wanted to definitely go through some questions with you and, you know, just start right here off the bat, man. And, 
you know, who's your who's your top hitting prospect for 2016? Okay, well, uh, default I had number one as Corey Seager. Um, you know, so that's kind of I think that's kind of the gimme uh, between him and Buxton. They'll be starting the year in the majors. Uh, Seager kind of hit the ground running hard last season, without a doubt. Uh, really impressed people, and Buxton was serviceable, but you know, it looks like he's still got to grow a little bit uh, into his five-tool skill set. Uh, so those two, I think, are kind of the obvious ones, but I didn't want to take the easy road. So I'm actually going to um, say Nomar Mazzara and Orlando Arcia are probably two of my favorite prospects for, if we're talking 2016. Um, yeah. For, like, yeah. making a potential impact um, in fantasy leagues. Um, Arcia is going to be up sooner than later. Uh, Mazzara may be a little bit further down the road, um, if at all, with Lewis Brinson playing so well. Um, but, you know, they both have just tremendous skill sets. Mazzara is more of just a natural hitter. His power is phenomenal, and he's still growing. Um, last year, you know, he hit 284, 358, across double-A AA and triple-A, and he hit 14 home runs. So um, his late performance in triple-A was just really phenomenal. You know, the only guy who probably topped it was A.J. Reed, who's, I don't know where that came from, but his 2015 numbers were astonishing. So, Nazar, um, I'm really excited about. He's easily one of my favorite hitters, and his swing is just so smooth and easy. It's If you've never seen uh, him swing or look at his batting practice videos on YouTube, it's it's worth a watch. It's, it's awesome. Um, Arcia is a little bit more of a I guess you'd call him an all-purpose player. He's he's hitting pretty well uh, last year in spring, and spring he's struggling a little bit this year, but, you know, it's early. But he plays a good defense, and the only guy blocking him is Jonathan VR right now. So um, I think RC is the future in Milwaukee, and they're going to be calling him up sooner than later. Um, and he's got good speed, decent power. So, I mean, he could hit 10 home runs and steal 30 bases in a full year. Um, and hit close to 300. So uh, I think those are the two guys besides, you know, the top dog, Seager and Buxton. Yeah, I, de- I definitely like the both of them. Um, so what about what about pitching here? Yeah, so pitching, um, this one was a little harder to gauge because of, uh, you know, just impact for this year. I think hands down the best pitcher and it's – it's more than likely unanimous. It's Lucas Giolito. Um, don't know for sure when he's going to get the call, um, barring an injury or if Tanner Rourke were to just get hurt or just absolutely suck. Uh, Giolito might just kind of be waiting for a late late season call up, uh, but his stuff is phenomenal. Everyone knows it, and he's he just came up last year and he was dominating. So I think overall for pitching, he's the guy. But for actual impact this year, I'm going homer here with, uh, I think, Jose Barrios has the best chance of the top 20 pitchers, prospects, um, who may get the call sooner than later and make a legitimate impact in uh, the major leagues this year. Um, You know, right now the Twins don't have a great staff. Tommy Malone's at the bottom. Um, Kyle Gibson's okay. But, you know, if any of those guys get hurt or Malone just kind of struggles, 
the Twins aren't going to wait that long this year uh, to call up Barrios with Sano and Buxton here. The time is now, so I think they're ready to pull the trigger on Barrios, and we'll see him sooner than later. And I think he's going to do very well. What do uh, you like? You, you actually like him better than than I, Tyler Glass now. I like Glass now a lot. I'm just thinking 2016 impact. I'm not sure. The soonest Glasnow will get the call. I'm thinking Barrios will probably be up sooner and making more of an impact. Uh, Glasnow is good, too. I, I really like him and his skill set. Um, I just think he's shown a little bit more control issues and been a little shaky. Um, so I'm thinking Barrios maybe has a more consistent and stable major league-ready skill set than Glasnow does. Um, I, I, Glasnow's got dominant stuff, and then the next day he'll just look out of sync. So I'm worried you're going to see a lot of the typical rookie prospect performance bumps, uh, bumps in the road from Glasnow. Whereas I think Barrios has a little bit more of a stable pitching arm and uh, uh, will just kind of be able to hit the ground running. So I'm taking my uh, taking my Barrios shares. <laughs> now with those those guys Barrios and uh, Giolito, are you actually looking at trying to draft either of these guys? Or you know, in your later rounds, or are you just just keeping an eye yeah, on the start of season. In seasonal leagues, I've been scooping up Barrios and Glasnow um, quite a bit, actually. Those two, um, and even a little bit of Blake Snell, I like him quite a bit. Um, but uh, Giolito in seasonal leagues, I kind of have been passing on him. I, I really love him. I think he is going to come up at some point, but at, at this point, I just can't see it yet. Um, unless it's a very, very late-round pick. And uh, in most leagues that I've been in, I've had two drafts in seasonal, and he's gone quite a bit earlier than, you know, the final three rounds. So um, I think that's a little bit of the prospect hype, and I may be dead wrong. There may be an injury, and he could be up, and I could greatly regret it. But I just think those two guys are, um, Barrios and Glasnow are more draft-worthy for seasonal leagues. Okay. Yeah, no, those are those are definitely two of my favorite. So, who's you know th- those are those are all names that I think everybody is kind of looking at right now. Who's kind of an under the radar type of guy that you know maybe you won't be drafting, but somebody you're definitely waiting to get the call up and you're gonna pounce on like as soon as he jumps, you know, gets get called up off the waiver wire here. Um, you know, somebody you know isn't as, as household of a name as the as those four that you mentioned. Oh, sure. Um, I didn't really think of a pitcher as much because I think, I think pitching prospects are just kind of they're relatively well-known, um, and I think people kind of monitor them more. But um, I, I, I'm liking Nick Williams a lot of the Phillies, the outfielder. Um, he doesn't have much blocking him in the outfield now. I mean, Cody Ashey obviously had played third. Um, one can only assume he's not a great outfielder. Um, and his hitting skill set wasn't that good <laughs> anyways. And Peter Borges, who's solid, but he, he's kind of injury-prone. Um, Williams has just a great batting eye, great plate discipline, and he's got double-digit power, and his speed should be pretty good. Um, so he realistically he could be a 2020 guy in, in a year or two. Um, so I'm thinking Nick Williams is a guy who will probably get a call sooner than later and could be a guy who could – be a sneaky 
sneaky play to help you in average in some um, stolen bases and even some some cheap pop if you need. Um, the other guy I'm, I, I like and I just kind of have a man crush on is Jesse Winker uh, of the Reds. I think he'll be up uh, at some point very soon. And, um, you know, he's, he's kind of hit or miss, but I think he's um, his first half was kind of miserable last year in um, the minors, but then his, his second half was very, very good. It's like he caught fire. So um, he's a guy, too, in Cincinnati with a team that's just kind of a dumpster fire, uh, could really make an impact as well. So those are my two guys, and I'm going to be watching, not drafting, but definitely keeping an eye on. All right, all right. Um, so who who do you think is the most overhyped prospect entering 2016? Uh, this one was, was kind of tough to come up with. Um, but I, I might go with Joey Gallo. <laughs> and I have him on almost all my teams. I really like him. I love his power. It's phenomenal. There's nothing close to it um, besides, you know, maybe a Sano or um, uh, you know, someone like that. But Gallo is um, his strikeout rate is like a lot of power hitters is pretty scary. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things where if he can improve his plate discipline, he will be very good, and he will be in the majors this year. There's no doubt. But I'm just thinking he's kind of a fringy, uh, right on the borderline of like a Chris Carter and a Chris Davis, which is. You know, if he improves his K rate just enough to hit around 230 to 250, like a Davis, then his 30, 35, 40 home runs will be fantastic. But if he's a guy who strikes out 38, 40% of the time, then you're looking at a Chris Carter, who could be more of a, you know, I don't know, kind of a killer thorn in your side in fantasy leagues. Um, That was tough to come up with, but... I think I'm going to go with Gallo just because I think right now at this point in his career and development, he's he's kind of a fringy, borderline scary player, in my eye at least. Well, yeah, I mean, he struck out like 46% of the time last year, and there's not even a guarantee yeah. he's going to play much this year either because they signed Desmond. And exactly. After Hamilton yeah. went down. Yep. So I, I agree with that one 100%. I'm avoiding him all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the the risk is there, and I think people just kind of see moon tower power and kind of go for it. And yeah, it's it's there, but you need to be able to make consistent contact and at least walk a little. I mean, his strikeout rate, like you said, was like forty plus percent, and his walk rate was like minuscule. So yeah, he needs to greatly improve that to truly be a worthwhile player for a long time coming. So. So. This might be a weird question, but as far as, you know, within Dynasty Leagues, obviously that's pretty much where you're stockpiling these prospects and everything. Mm-hmm. At what at what point do you stop stockpiling and start playing for that year? Like, is there a point for you that you do that? I mean, obviously you try to win every year, but you also build for the future too. So what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's, that's um, kind of tough. In startup leagues, you know, I I try to do, I don't want to say a 50, 50 
I try to get like, you know, 70% of my roster or so uh, with uh, current vets and then 30% with prospects. Um, you know, and if I have to take a few risks and take a bunch of elite prospects early, so be it. But I try not to overdo it um, in a startup. The problem is, is you never know how that season will turn out. And I know in the league we're in last year, I had some significant injuries and I ended up having to make some trades and just playing for not even probably this year, but next year and going forward. Um, And if your draft strategy fails, then you really need to look at where you are in the standings and what it will take to improve. Um, You know, you, you really need to, unlike in seasonal leagues where you can just kind of start over, you really need to know the other owners and their lineups and kind of assess how they're going to do. Um, if you're going to finish in the middle of the pack, there's there really may not be much reason or incentive to be drafting guys like Ian Desmond or um, Brandon Phillips, you know, in the in the late rounds because they'll fill a spot, but you know, it, you're not going to win. You're not going to get up to that next level with those guys. So you may as well use those picks on some younger future prospects or, you know, try to get creative, draft them and then flip them to an owner who is competing and get prospects from them in return. Um, But it's hard. You really got to gauge and sometimes you got to take risks. And um, the last thing you want to do is just keep drafting for winning now and finishing third or fourth and just not having a strong enough prospect pool to kind of carry you over the top at some point. Um, Yeah. So you have to be more honest with yourself and kind of evaluate your team and other teams. I mean, um, you know, I've seen teams with, like, my pitching's going to dominate for years to come, but it's like if your bats aren't good enough, you know, at some point something's got to give. So, um, yeah, it's definitely what I think makes makes it the best fantasy format in any fantasy sport. I I think it's just – it's awesome, but it's very complex and it can be very difficult. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I know in Chris in, in our dynasty league that we created last year, my first dynasty league ever, and so I kind of went into it. I had no idea what to expect, and people I thought were going like really prospect crazy, like I thought, and I ended up getting a yep. bunch of like I ended up winning the league last year because I thought, I think I had the most uh, like veterans. I had the most guys that were going to play now, but. Exactly. What I also yep. did to kind of combat that was I drafted young guys that were going to be playing. So, like, if you look at my pitching staff, I've got Sonny Gray, Chris Archer, Keiko. I've got, you know, Sale, who's still fairly young, DeGrom. You know, I've got Arenado. You know, I've got Betts. You know, so and I've even got – well, I had Jock Peterson. I traded him. But, you know, I got younger veterans too. So, like, yep. I may not have those next crop of – prospects but i've got guys that are going to be around hopefully for a long time so like that's another strategy to take i think and it's one that's worked for me really well absolutely yep and that's that was something else i was going to mention on is that you i think people they get blurred they want either all the superstars of the current majors or they go like you said prospect heavy like they're like oh my god i gotta get dansby swanson i gotta get you know all these guys right now and get all excited it's like well you're not gonna they're they're exciting and they're gonna be good but you won't they're not going to impact you for a couple three years 
And, you know, whereas if you focus on guys like, well, look at Cato Marte, you know, he's young. He's going to be on your team for a long time, and he's going to produce. But he, players like him get overlooked consistently because they're not big-name prospects and they're not superstar veterans. And snagging young guys who are playing or will be in the near future is critical in Dynasty, I think. Yeah, I mean, and if you're not going to win and if you can try to clump your players by, um, you know, an estimated time of arrival, which I ended up doing, um, just looking at, you know, these guys will probably all be in the majors in 2016, 2017. That's what I'm going for. And um, you know, it's a risky strategy, and I definitely got pummeled last year, but hoping the, the ship writes, writes itself this year. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, One. we got a couple more questions here. One, one I have is um, basically when you're looking at, at your prospect pool, and obviously it's the number is different per each league, but um, if you're looking at like 15 minor league prospects, which I feel like might be kind of somewhat standard, how mm-hmm. many of those prospects are you leaning towards as batting prospects, and how many are you leaning towards as pitching prospects? Or, or oh. does it depend on the level of the talent? Like yeah, if, if you have it's more kind of a hybrid, I think. Yeah, if I if I can get a guy who's you know, um, you know, kind of kind of scaled out to be a potential like one or two or three starter, if I can get like five of those guys before a good batter, I will do that. Um, the problem is, is pitching. Pitchers are so hit or miss, and um, the Tommy John scares are just, you know, seem exorbitantly high. So, I mean, there's, it's just a little bit more risky with pitching. But it, I think I, I prefer going for bats, and I prefer going for positional scarcity kind of with the youngsters. Um, you know, like right now, there's no better time than ever than right now than to look for like a shortstop or a second baseman, middle infield kind of guy, because they're everywhere, and that's the future. Um, and so, you know, those guys are kind of, they're elite, or they, you know, elite prospects at least, but there's four or five or six of them. So I, I'd probably aim more at pitching than some of those guys or maybe just target one of them. Um, but usually I still go with kind of the mentality as a seasonal uh, league where, more often than not, I would take a bat over the pitcher. Pitching depth is just, it's just there. There's a lot of pitching. And, you know, pitching prospect, uh, making a dramatic, immediate impact is, is pretty slim. Um, you know, the last three years we've been kind of blessed with that. But um, I think the risk is just a little bit too high. So I'd, I'd say if it's 15, I'd probably go with eight bats and seven arms kind of ratio. Okay. Yeah, who's one guy? I'm sorry. <laughs> I oh, didn't realize you oh, okay. So, who's one guy, just real quick, Who who's one guy, you know, we talked about a bunch of 20, 2016 players. Who's one guy that, like, say in a dynasty league, you're looking to, I need to get this guy locked up, who may not come up this year, but may come up next year or the year after? 
Yeah. Um, the, the, the two guys, and then I hate it because they're Red Sox, but uh, it's pretty much Juan Lancada and Rafael Devers. I just, those two guys, I'm absolutely rabid over. Uh, this year, it's been Devers because um, you know, most guys were all over Moncada last year. He was hyped significantly and, well, you know, with good reason. Um, but so in startup years this year, definitely Moncada is my top option and Deaver's not far behind and, uh, and all the kind of redraft and, um, not redraft, but the third year dynasty leagues, I was going after Deaver's hardcore this year. I just love his, his, um, his potential and, you know, he's got an amazing ceiling, great power potential and he's just uh he's developing quickly so i'm thinking you could see him even late next year uh but for sure 2018 and he and moncada are going to be a nice nice infield for the red sox for years to come so yeah moncada was my uh my my uh second pick last year in a startup um dynasty um so yep I, it was between him and and Syndergaard, and I it just you know. And then the first round, I had my option between Correa and Addison Russell, and I uh, took the wrong pick there and went with Russell. But I flipped him to get Chris Davis this year, so I'm I'm okay with that. And then yeah, there um, you go. I got Mancada, and you know, then Syndergaard gets the call, and I'm like, ah oh, man, <laughs> just like, all these guys that I was looking at, but. I, I didn't. I didn't need Syndergaard. I had enough pitching in that league. So, but um, yep. You know, I I also have uh, Arcia. So I'm, I'm glad you're 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 high on him because I am too. Um, I, I yep. really like him a lot, and I hope he comes up because shortstop is the bane of my team right now. Um, so I'm really pulling to uh, to get you know hopefully get him up sooner than later. Yeah. Yep, I think I think he will be. And Moncada, I I wouldn't be surprised if we somehow see him this year if with an injury or something. Um at least late and next year for sure. So yeah, I I love both those guys. So it it's those are the two guys I'm I drool over in uh every league I've been drafting in, so I mean well uh I think that's going to have to be it. We're a little over time, but, uh, you know, it's definitely good having you on and we'll have to bring you on again, again, later. It's a good conversation. Um, you know, I don't know if you have any advice to anybody, you know, for, for drafting these prospects, especially in redraft leagues, uh, just to close it out. Yeah. Just, um, don't fall prey to the prospect hype, you know, Thanks. There's not very many Trouts. There's not very many Seegers. There's not very many Rizzles. And, you know, and Rizzle's a great example. Rizzle was a high prospect, and he really didn't become Anthony Rizzle for almost three seasons. Um, I was all over Rizzle, and he was a Padre, and it backfired <laughs> big time. So, you know, more often than not, they struggle. More often than not, they strike out a ton. More often than not, they, you know, they throw for four-plus ERAs. So um, try to tame tamper yourself and kind of target them in the waiver wire more than anything. Don't waste too many draft picks on them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Hey, even Trout struggled his first time up. A lot of people don't realize that. (laughs) So, 
All right, man. Well, uh, good having you on. If you want to remind everybody where to find you, um, go ahead and do that, and we'll close out. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I write, along with Joe, over in so-calledfantasyexperts.com. I also do some work over on athlonsports.com. Um, and then you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm very active on there and try to answer every question I get as soon as I can. Uh, again, the Twitter handle is at Fancy Chill Pony. It's F-A-N-T-S-Y Chill Pony. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. All thanks right. for coming on. All right. Talk to you See later. You have a good night. Yep. All righty. Let's see here. All right. So, yeah, so that was uh, definitely some good conversation. Uh, I know we, you know we haven't had a lot of guests on doing our position previews and, and things like that. So I wanted to make sure we got some guests on to get some other opinions. I'm sure you all are tired of hearing us talk for an hour plus every, every week. So, um, but that said, I think that's all I've got for the night. AJ, I don't know if you want to add anything else. Uh, no, that that's pretty much it. I think we'll, uh, we'll save my, my hopefully upcoming, uh, rant session for for another show (laughs) (laughs) i think i know what this rant session is going to be and uh, i might have to call your league mates up and tell them to listen uh so (laughs) anyway yeah no we'll uh, we'll talk about that next week we'll do uh i definitely think we should we should look at some draft recap stuff i've got my um slow draft finished out for my dynasty league um so that that oh, we've out got pretty our, well. We've got the fantasy we've, six pack league up. Yeah, that's on Sunday. On Sunday. And then, uh, my other, um, well, what, what I used to call my pitcher heavy league is uh, <laughs> is this Thursday. So As it we'll is see how we'll see how pitcher heavy it is this year. It's going to be, it uh, be laughing everybody because it really should not be this year. So you you enjoy that one. Um, yeah, we'll touch on that next week, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, uh, you have a good night, and all the listeners out there, you too, you have the same, or whenever you're listening, have a good day, and uh, we will see you all next week. All right, sounds good. See you later. Bye-bye.